when Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. That's Vieira! Absolutely fantastic! Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal! It is just what Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang does. Gabriel Martinelli has equalised for the Gunners! Welcome back to the Different Knock podcast, episode number Liverpool Preview with Alexander Moneypenny, my very good friend Bradley Adams, and our very good friend Andy Sellers. Hey, hey. welcome to the podcast, Andy. I'm back. How are you? Back. I'm back. Uh, I'm good. Good. You, you might remember. You might, very good. Thank you. We, you might remember Andy did our Christmas quiz. Brad, how do you feel that I've actually got a Liverpool expert on the podcast and it can't be you? I know. I can't. You can't like, just go off on tangents oh. about Liverpool. You'll be fact checked. Damn it. <laughs> uh, so listen, we're doing oh. our first ever preview podcast because we thought it'd be a bit of fun, uh, and we, you know, we do like Andy, so we'll get him on the podcast. Find any way we He's can. Very good. He's very good. We'll get him to host. Um, uh, so yeah, Arsenal play Liverpool tomorrow night at eight pm um, on Sky. Doesn't matter. Um, and yeah, we just thought we'd chat through the or game. For me, on through. an illegal stream. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Every game I text Brad like, yes. And he's like, uh, what's going on? I'm like, <laughs> um, I'm, still like buffering. Two, I'm two and a half minutes behind listening to this in Kazakhstani. Like, I don't know what's yeah. going on. <laughs> still kind of constantly clicking the X's and just trying to yeah, get yeah. Like, the different tabs. Up. Sexy Somehow woman near yeah. you. Yeah. 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 Oh, Are God, you yeah. in Maidstone? Um, <laughs> oh. Yes. Uh, so no, we're, we're, uh, we're just a little preview of it. So um, I thought we'd start off boys. Uh, we're just asking, I mean, Andy, you know, a Liverpool perspective on this is all very, very interesting. So, I mean, how are you kind of feeling about the season? I feel as though um, it might not have gone to plan, but then I can't really speak because I am an Arsenal fan. So, It hasn't gone to plan, Alex, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Clive. Yeah, that's all right. The, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's one of those ones uh, where I think I mentioned it last time, I think I was on when doing the quiz in that I think... The Arsenal situation this year is very much, it sounds like it's a kind of transitional year. There's going to be some stuff that's great, some stuff that's really painful. And um, I've sort of got used to those seasons in the kind of Roy Hodgson, Brendan Rodgers era, where just just stuff just wouldn't work. And it's been very much just one of them where I've got so sick of people talking about the injuries. It's just like, yes, the injuries are a massive part and we can get into it at some point. And fundamentally, they they have what that's what's happened mm. is that we've lost mm. some of our best players, but the coverage on it has just been so tiresome. And the bottom line is that a lot of the results and performances just have been bad. And the kind of the biggest example I can give of this season is that I live with another Liverpool supporter, and I live with someone who uh, doesn't know anything about football. You live with Brad, but even he, not? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Me and Brad have lived together for three years, but we've never spoken except never mentioned it. It's been a real, it's been a real tough time, but I'm hoping that we can build the friendship back. Um, Sorry, I'm glad that you brought that out. Yeah, it's, it's really... finally, finally out there. Sorry, you live with someone who doesn't know anything about football. Go public on. eye. But yeah, he he doesn't know anything about football. But there was that there's that period that I mean, I hesitate to say and touch wood that we are out of it. But there was that period of sort of. Brighton at home, Burnley at home, mm-hmm. West Brom at home, where the the pace of the games was just 
dead. It was the same. It was like monotone the whole 90 minutes in terms of attack and then defense. We were always shaky. And even Martin, who's the flatmate who doesn't know anything about football, was like, I swear I've watched like a game like this every week yeah. for the last like month and a half. And it that's literally <laughs> been it. Familiar. It's just been, yeah. it's just been so kind yeah, of yeah, just yeah. endless kind of Robertson getting the ball, passing back to our center back, then passing it across to the other center back, passing it to Trent. Whichever center back just, it may be. So, yeah. I mean, and sorry to kind of come on to, I mean, obviously lots been made of the, the injury stuff and, you know, you hear the sort of 19 combinations of center backs and that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, how much do you feel like putting it in proportion? How much do you feel that that is kind of the, like, do you see it as a kind of under, what's the word? Underscore to everything, i.e. like everything's come from that and the Virgil injury and the, the sort of knock-on effect. Because, you know, from the little I watch Liverpool in games against Arsenal, it feels like he's the guy shepherding that high line. He's the guy who allows you to get out from the back. He's the guy who marshals that defence. And that knock-on effect feels like the the main issue. I mean, is that is yeah. that fair? It, it, it is, it is. It's the... For me personally, as a fan, he's the best. He's my is our best player. Like I think, just in every aspect, he's in terms of stats wise. Last year, he had the most passes. He's just he's literally the tallest. He's strongest. He's the quickest. Best looking. He's everything about him. Yeah. Best looking. He's gorgeous. Isn't he's Willie. Yeah. yeah, madman. And um, yeah, he's just the best player, and he literally makes them tick. And there was a great athletic article that was about how his kind of, even just something simple as his diagonal balls has yeah. just affected us because he, he would just play it to Trent in a different position that like, I like Nat Phillips, but yeah. Nat Phillips would play him. Yeah. Um, and so I think it is, but then once you take the injury out of it and you accept that that's the case and I, the, there are other injuries in that Matip and Gomez and there has been chops and changes, but fundamentally the tactics never changed. And yeah. I can understand that they would not want to change a system that won a league but when you don't have the personnel to carry it comprehensively. out. But when you don't have the yeah. com- personnel to carry it out, you have to adapt. Yeah. And it just felt like there was a real lack of adaptation, mm. not just from like West Brom, Brighton, Burnley, but just like for months, it felt like there was no real change. And I, I imagine from listening to podcasts before, that's sort of how, <laughs> Brad, you felt with Arteta sort of like early yeah. on in the season. And there yeah. was a real lack of a of a change of focus whereas i think at least with the liverpool situation there is the reasoning about kind of injuries like because whereas with the kind of arteta situation it's not like we could have blamed it on injuries and when we were going through that real turgid run earlier in the season we couldn't be like well you know abamyang's out and this person's like whereas like you think of the amount of time that and I, I, a really kind of important thing to uh, draw back to for me is your 4 0 comeback against Barcelona. You did it without Salah. You did it without um, Firmino. You like two of your uh, like best front three. And I think that if you look at kind of your best players, you can make an argument to replace Salah. Like you, you will be able to bring somebody in who can do an acceptable job. But, never, but I think losing somebody of Van Dyke's presence is just so irreplaceable because he is one of the only players that commands this. I think Vidic had it, Terry had it, Ferdinand. There's this uh, fear that mm. you're running at Virgil mm. van Dyke. There's a reason that he wasn't dribbled past once in over yeah. a season, uh, like a couple of seasons ago. A lot of players just wouldn't try. Yeah, because That's the main thing is that because, he, didn't, he didn't just stop yeah, them. He just, they wouldn't bother. Like. He, he is just a mountain 
and yeah. players were scared to climb it. He is the Everest of your team almost. So I think losing him was like losing one of the bottom cards in almost like a house of cards. And yeah. it's just felt like you took that out. And then obviously Fabinho going down injured, Henderson spending time on the sidelines, Matip's out till the end of the season. Like it just, it seems like everything that can have gone wrong has. And then other players have seen this and taken their foot off the gas because they're like, well, we're not going to win the league anyway because of everything else that's happened. So it's, so coming coming into yeah. this game, Brad, um, I just said the wrong person. I'm so used to just having one other one other person on the podcast, <laughs> Andy. Coming into this game, Andy, it's going well. Uh, coming into this game, especially off the back of like a two week international break, Jota's form. How are you feeling? This game fits in the kind of the context of your season because I think it's pretty clear for us. You know, I think the, the cliche every game's a every game's a, a must win game, of course. But is there a kind of acceptance among the Liverpool fans that this season just isn't yours? And even if you miss out on Europe, kind of whatever. Obviously, you want to finish as high as possible, but sometimes there's a nice kind of natural season where you kind of take your foot off the gas, and maybe this is that season before you kind of go again with a rebuild. I mean, Jota looks great. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those ones where I think it's it's an interesting uh, grey area that happens, I think, when seasons like this happen. Because you then, you it, it gets into the sort of like muddy patch where there will be some fans who want to be in a European competition, no matter what. There'll be some fans, sort of like most Liverpool fans, I think, are kind of diehard. Liverpool need to be in the Champions League. You know, I think that the Champions League is its sort of its own competition. I think it has the capabilities to be a freak. And so I don't really know how I feel about them going up against Real Madrid. I sort of like, well, you know, anyone could be anyone. In terms of the league, which is sort of like, I guess what we're speaking more about today is for me, I think it's it, obviously everyone wants to be in the Champions League. Realistically, I don't know if they can. I think it's sort of, Every game is a cliche, but every game is just a must-win game now. But uh, the the example that I keep on thinking about is the is uh, the season that Leicester won the league. Chelsea won the league with Mourinho the year before. I came tenth, and then he was sacked, and then he was sacked halfway through, and they came tenth with uh, Gus Hiddink. I think was sort of like Inter- uh, finished the season off. The next season they won the league, yeah, with Conte, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so in my head, I think. And Jamie Carragher always says it on Monday Night Football. It's like, you're never that far away. And so for me personally, I think just get the season over with. Like It sort of doesn't really matter where they finish. But the key thing with the, the Conte team is that they didn't finish in a, in a place where they would play Europa League football. And I think no matter how good a team is, no matter how big, a stro- big you know, strong a squad is, Europa League does have an effect and it it usually happens more towards the end of the season. And I think it's going to have an effect with Leicester and they've already sort of started to kind of, their form's a bit funny. It, it just does. And so I kind of, in a way, you kind of go big or go home. Mm. I don't know how, how you guys would feel about no, it. No, on, on your point about Europa League affecting things, I, I massively agree. I've been a big advocate that if we're not going to get in the top four this season, we should just because not being in a European competition just allows it allows you to take it week by week. You then don't have these Thursday night matches and Sunday morning matches where sometimes we've seen mistakes from players like Xhaka or even from players like Gabriel, who've been quite consistent for us this season. 
because of almost a continental hangover because there hasn't been enough time to to recharge rest and everything so i i still like liverpool i've got the the table up liverpool are only five points off and i think if any team can go on like and win every single game till the end of the season this liverpool team has proved it can you know they won what was it 20 or however many ridiculous amount of games in a row last season you know they basically had the league wrapped up the earliest it ever has been so i think liverpool if I'm looking at the table and I'm going, Liverpool, if they put a run together, could easily usurp anywhere up to third. You know, Leicester are kind of wishy-washy on form, but they'll probably have learned from last season. But you think Chelsea could drop out. West Ham are, could, are definitely going to fall off at some point. Spurs are just fucking horrible. Like, at, at any Full point, stop. you just can't tell. <laughs> at any point, you can't tell whether they're going to be battered like 4-0 or whether they're going to batter someone 6-1. They're so wishy-washy, whereas I think Liverpool are the one team that you could really make a bet to to make that charge. But it'll be interesting to see how that affects. It's an interesting one from Arsenal perspective, isn't it, Brad? Because like, I think we... There's a sense from me and from from kind of the the stuff that I'm seeing that Arsenal feel, okay, we can... This is going to be the, the best time to face Liverpool. But in many ways, we can't forget that Firstly, you know, well, ultimately, these are the Premier League champions. And as you just said, if anyone's going to go ahead and put a run together at the end of the season, it's going to be Liverpool. Are any players returning, Andy? Uh, Firmino. Yeah. Is the sort of like the kind of the big, the 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 only kind of tagline that I could find from sort of Klopp's press conference was just that Bobby is back. Which, Bobby is back. Okay. Which, again, I think it would sort of divide a lot of Liverpool supporters. I, I, not, I never too sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing with Bobby yeah. being back it really depends but it's on... a return to to more normality and it's an option yeah and there's a and it's an option yeah exactly it's an interesting one like I looking at the game I kind of I'm actually predicting a win spoiler alert for the end of the end of the podcast but it's a funny one because my confidence is quite high for this game and the more I actually intellectualize it the more I go oh hang on no 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 that is a lot of recency bias you know we can we can really be hit out here um, in terms of team news, you just mentioned um, Firmino. Nothing else for you? Uh, no, Origi still out um, and no Henderson still. And then there's the kind of long injuries of Matip Gomez and Badaik still okay. out. Brad, we are... Have you got the team news for Arsenal? Uh, yeah, just, I had it. It seems to have closed. Oh. Bloody hell. All right, yeah, I've got it right here. Um, David is out. Um Saka will be assessed pre the match. The same with Smith Rowe. Willian is available and Granite will be assessed on Saturday. So it looks like David is definitely out and then Saka and Xhaka could miss out depending on how they recover, whether they're doing all right. Okay. Um, yeah. Interesting. One. Like, like you, I'm not, I'm not, I think I'm, I think we're probably going to go each end of the spectrum. I think like you predict a win. I think it's going to be a draw. Because I think that both teams aren't going to want to drop points coming back from a... Both teams aren't going to want to lose coming back from an international break. Liverpool are losing some big stars. But the thing with... I I always... I hate playing Liverpool. And it's because of a specific memory that I have. When you battered us 5-1 in 2014. Uh, I was I, I, was, in, I was in France, right? I, I remember the France. camera angle of that. Yeah, with an ex with an ex girlfriend at the time, and I went like, and we I went and I, I went to like a, a bar to watch this match, and we got 
we got absolutely peppered. And since then, I, I just, no matter how Liverpool are, no matter, they could lose 10 games in a row, I will still shit a brick every time we play you. Like, no matter what, no matter what, it's just... So I, I think it could be a draw. I could easily see Liverpool winning. I, I think the best thing we should hope for is a draw. But I think that's maybe the cynic in me going, don't get your hopes up. Well, I think regardless, we're going to see goals. No Premier yeah. League fixture has produced more goals than the 166 between Arsenal and Liverpool. But interestingly, Liverpool have learned just two victories in their past 20 Premier League weight games against Arsenal, uh, winning 2-0 in August 2017. Can't even read. Winning 2 0 in August 2011 and 4-3 in August 2016. And that kind of brings us on nicely to some kind of memories of Arsenal Liverpool games of old. I think my favourite, my personal favourite, I think it was a 2 0. It was Ramsey on the edge of the box. He scored a screamer against Minile. It was Ram- it was the 13-14 season. Ramsey was at the Emirates. Ramsey was having an absolute screamer of a season. And it was mm. such a good moment. But I agree, Brad, there's a there's a real kind of fear amongst Arsenal fans. Of Liverpool, and I don't think it. I don't think it's actually because of your recent form. They've always felt, and I think it may go back to that kind of uh, that moment in recent history. I remember that five-one because you came out of the blocks absolutely firing. It was oh under Rodgers, and yeah. ever since then, I think we've we've had a bit of shell shock as fans, kind of going, "I hope that doesn't happen again." And there's always something in the back of your mind. Are there any games for you, Andy, that that stick out? So for me, actually, the first game I thought of was the uh, the four four the Arshava. Yeah. I think oh, it's because yeah. it's the most, classic. The most like emotional game I can remember of the two, just because I it just was like heartbreaking. Because it was like you, I couldn't believe it. you just couldn't believe it. Because that was the year when Torres was there, Chabi Alonso. It was two thousand nine. It was they were so close as a as a. T- I think it was actually probably. I think it was a it was a much better team than the one in 2014 14, yeah. with Rodgers. It was it was it was so it was complete. It had Mascherano, it had oh. players that went on to win the Champions League multiple yeah. times. Um, but that just game, it just was like, and and I remember the next day, like trying to speak about it with my dad, and he was like, the worst thing was is that both teams were amazing. It's like a they death were in like, the family. It was like, <laughs> It was it was it was crazy because we, we were listening to talk sports. We knew that we knew the league had pretty much been lost, yeah. And we just kind of were like they were both so good. Like the whole the the quality of the game was just mad. Or maybe maybe because it, it couldn't have been that well defensively because they, they both conceded four. Yeah. But just the overall, but it kind of summed then, up what the Premier League was all about. There's nothing sort of you can do. Like so, like I remember yeah. with that Arshavin game, like. He was unplayable that day. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what anyone did. For some reason, he just snorted a yeah. line of pre-workout and then just absolutely went <laughs> the, to fucking town. Like it was. There it was, was one mental. goal. There was one goal where he cuts in and he just he just hits it. And it, there's something that it it almost it doesn't even hit it like that crisply because it sort of just sort of edges away. And I think it might be the fourth, maybe it's the third goal. And it just, it just, you just watch it go in. It's so painful as a Liverpool supporter to see it go past Pepe Reina. And oh. it's just like, oh my word. Do you know what's funny about that that game, actually, is Arshavin since came out and said that he he thinks he had a terrible game. Apart from those goals, he thought he had a terrible game. But when the win's really? with you, the win's with you. Um, yeah. Looking back at more recent history then, the, the reverse fixture in this season, the 3-1, um, what were your feelings on it, Brad, at the time? I was listening back to our podcast. And, you know, I think we felt at the time, not knowing the context of what was to come with Liverpool, we felt, you know, fair fucks, these are the champions. But yeah. perhaps there was more to take from that game. I think the one thing we complained about on the podcast was the Mane yellow card decision uh, for the elbow. Yes. But I, again, I yep. think that that's... 
I think that's a contentious moment where it could have been a red, it could have been a yellow. It was the first like three or four minutes of the game. And thinking back in hindsight, I don't think it should have been a red. I think that you have to sometimes give the... Because I don't think it's malintended. He's just gone to hold somebody off the ball and it's happened to strike him in the face. I think so. Not to reopen old wounds, but I I do think... I've seen him given, to use the cliche, oh, let's course, say that. <laughs> of course, but like, and I, I think that then moving on from that, if we just accept that, like Liverpool were just rampant, like, yeah, just yeah. T- tore us to pieces. And uh, that was when we hadn't, we were still playing this, this three, four, three system. And it didn't matter that we had five men in defense and we were sticking nearly like nine men behind the ball at times. <laughs> Literally did we party, did we? To... No, 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 no. Um Yeah. And they like just just tore us to pieces. Like, I think that's an interesting one. The the addition of Party because like I mean I'm not sure how much you watched of um, Party Andy, but like he's he's just sensational. And like in terms of he's an absolute Rolls Royce for midfielder, as we said many times on this podcast. Mm. But like the extra control that he gives you, I remember watching him. Um, and he's been in a decent form. He hasn't played that much international football, but you know he's he's kind of kept the kept the ticker rolling over whatever the phrase is but um in the in the game against West Ham he was breaking the lines he was there was sort of a shift around the sort of half hour mark and he just controlled the game and I'd love to see him up against a midfield I mean we'll do the sort of predicted lineups later but who who do you anticipate is going to be going to be starting well so I think for the midfield I would imagine it would probably be the ones that he's kept with consistently that one album Tiago and Fabinho. Okay. I think that's. I think that's the overall are kind of the most balanced midfield. Okay. And in terms of Partey, the I have I actually I've watched a bit of him at Arsenal. Um, but the game that sticks out most is actually from a Liverpool perspective is the game uh, last season in the Champions League mm. where he was with Atletico. Yeah. And I think BT even did one of those sort of like great Champions League performance bits where they sort of show him doing kind of everything from a tackle to like yeah. a you know a pass back, but. He was he was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Like he's he's actually a, a, yeah. a brick wall. It's, no, it's, it's fascinating. It was it was frustrating. It's it also really frustrating. what's interesting about him is you know looking back on that game and Brad, you were mentioning that you know we had to have, have many men behind the ball. I think having someone who can progress the ball, maybe something that's a bit of a um, a red herring about Party, maybe because of his height and, and physique, is that he's just a defensive midfielder and that's that's kind of you know, he blocks blocks passes, intercepts and stuff. He's a ball progressor. That's what he is. He can skip past players, and I think getting us up the pitch might help us a lot in this game. Um, and kind of, you know, especially against a, a defence that isn't as solid and isn't playing as high, there might be some, sp- um, some 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 space to exploit. Wait, if you think about the lineup as well, that's something we massively lacked from that 3-1. And Elneny yeah. and Jacka Pivot. Elneny's no great for pressing, but there was no progressing in the progression in the middle there. And both of our fullbacks in Bellerin and Maitland-Niles, neither of those are... Well, I don't. They're not ball carriers. They're not people that drive us an extra ten yards up the pitch. So that is another, like you say, it's a really interesting dynamic to kind of put into play here. For sure, Andy. Any any memories of that three one? The in terms of three one, the 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 thing that I remember most clearly, and I think it was it was I think like we said just before we um, started recording, it was Van Dyke was still there, and um, it was Jota's first game. And I just remember the the analysis afterwards, Jamie Carragher, I remember saying sort of like you you see so clearly the kind of the golfing class between them. And I think actually that game and maybe I think the Chelsea game came just after. I think maybe Tiago I think Tiago's 
hadn't been signed yet, or maybe he'd signed, but he had COVID or something. Um, uh, COVID regulations, I think, maybe could have yes, been or something I think, like that. I think, yeah. Um, it was actually, I think, probably one of our best performances this season. And it was probably one of the only sort of performances where we were even close to what we were last season. Interesting. Um, that's sort of what, yeah, I think that's kind of all I remember from it. And I just remember Jota scoring his first goal. Of course. I remember watching, uh, I think it was a 4 nil. um, because I'm, I'm not in London at the moment, in Birmingham. I remember sitting on the sofa over there and watching a 4-0 uh, against Crystal Palace, oh. where you were absolutely... It was the... Uh, is it a 7-0, I think, in the end? 7-0? No, no, it can't have been. Which, it was in the league. One? Was it 7? Wait, as in, it was the, in this season? It was, it was last season. It was, it was the tail end of last season. Oh, last season. But you do oh, love yes, a game against the, Palace. That was the game that they pretty much won the league. In yes, December, yeah, yeah. but I think I remember you texted me the their game. It was the four 0 against Crystal Palace, and it was the day yeah. before they won the project league. restart. It yeah. was pre- project yeah, yeah. restart, and I remember that game, and it's mm. it was unbelievable. And the the press that day was just incredible. I remember Chamberlain doing really well. Um, but they had seventy four percent possession. <laughs> incredible in a league game, but I think something. The reason I bring that up is you know obviously we mentioned we got party, and that's a slight difference for us. Saka's come in, Smith Rowe. We also got Erdegaard, who I think, you know, I just think having that extra control in the midfield is going to be so interesting to watch how that's changed. You've lost Virgil. We've talked about that kind of impact. Thiago and Jota, um, you laugh. Um, like, I I find the Thiago slander strange. Yeah, yeah it's I mean, very strange. It's, yeah, it's very I strange. do, like, I, I, don't, I don't really get it. I mean, what, what have you seen from your perspective? So for, for me, I think, I think he's one of those players that he... I think he is loved, if not they, I think people, I think Liverpool fans will like him already because I think they know who he is and he is so scrappy. I'd never known how scrappy he is, but he, every game he's getting carded. And I think, to be honest, fans of any team like that. They like a player who really puts himself about. I don't think we've seen, I don't think we've seen like, you know, anything of what he could actually do in terms of, how he could win games or how he could control the pace of games. Well, I think he actually does control the pace of games. It's just that then in front of him, there's nothing really sort of going on. Um, but yeah, I think that in terms of Thiago, I think he's just, it's just a matter of time. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's like just one of the top three he's central too midfielders good. in he, the league. Yeah, like. He's too good. And I think that at the moment he's had no, he's had glimpses. And I remember sort of, I remember me and you, Alex sort of spoke about it. I can't remember when, but, I said that there is there was a game against Newcastle where he came on for the last 20 minutes and in that 20 minutes he did just passes that no one else in the team can do. Yeah. And I think that is when you know that you've got a player who can do something different and maybe it's someone like Erdegaard or even just Smith Rowe just being a number 10 where you had an absence of a number 10. If they can do something that the other players can't, it's just they are just a necessity. And so I would 100%. probably start Thiago no matter what. Mm. Um but you just also then need a Fabinho behind him. <laughs> I think having that technical security, like I think people, it's not as it's not as goal and assisty, it's not as you know highlight really. But and you won't see it on match of the day. But people who watch the game know the know how important these guys are to the mm. team. It's someone like Xhaka. Xhaka has a lot of lot of limitations, a lot, and he is not. You know, to be clear. I don't Nowhere think Xhaka is a very good player. He's not near the level. But <laughs> there's a kind of <laughs> defender. I'm not laughing at that. I'm just laughing at Xhaka just as a player. Yeah. <laughs> he is he's funny. just a madman. 
Yeah, he is. And there is that perception of him, of course. But equally, when you watch every single Arsenal game, you do end up seeing, and I'm, I'm comparing him, but I feel I feel like he's sort of like comparing a Lamborghini to a Fiat Punto. But the Fiat Punto does have some strengths, do you yeah, know what I mean? And, yeah. and as much as people try and, you know, kind of, you know, uh, attack that, which is an easy point of attack, there is definitely some some uh, some value to him. Um, I want to come on to Robertson versus Tierney before we do our predictions. Um, oh, he's rubbing his hands. I was, I was, I, I got what that was is I was that was going to be a visual gag. Yes, but I got my watch platform. caught on my headphones cord, so it didn't even work for you guys, let alone listeners. <laughs> audio gags. We should do a sketch show about audio gags. Yeah, 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 maybe. Um. The uh yeah, so Robertson versus Tierney. So I just want to I kinda wanna read some stats and let you two boys kick off because that's you know it's my it's my role in this thing. Um Tierney has two goals his name uh to his name this season compared to Robertson's one, uh with a lower expected goals rate. Uh Robertson has five assists compared to Tierney's three, uh, but they have about the same expected assists. Um Robertson attempts more passes, uh Robertson completes more passes. And then defensively, Arsenal's man have made... I'm reading this from a, a Mirror article, so it's all kind of slapstick speech. The Arsenal man has made 1.92 tackles and interceptions, uh, which is big, uh, more than Robertson. But again, difficult to compare stats when we're going to be def- defending more, probably. Uh, Tierney's been dribbled past fewer times and has made more blocks. Stats, 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 whatever. But I think it's interesting to kind of just, just compare them. Um Obviously, midweek Tierney was was prolific for Scotland. And got three assists from left centre back. Um, how do you assess Robertson's? Well, let's start, let's start with Brad. How how are you assessing Tierney this season? And how do you see him faring up against Robertson? I think he's been kind of one of our brightest sparks. Um, I think he single handedly started the comeback against Benfica with that with that goal. You know, I think he my opinion on him has been stated several times. I think he should be Arsenal captain. Like He is now, I think, fan favourite within Arsenal. There's there's a lot of uh, positive vibes around him in relation to Robertson. Vibes with a Z. With, with a Z, don't forget. Mm. Um, in relation to Robertson, uh, I think Robertson's the better player currently, but I think that that's no surprise to somebody playing with a... Um, in a in a title winning side that's had more time to bed in, that's with that's got better players around him. Like he's got Van Dyke to his right for Christ's sake, and at Tierney, Tierney at points has had either David Luiz or Mustafi. So I, th- I and but I think if you were to compare the two on just pure ability, I think that Robertson's currently the better player. But do I think that Tierney has the potential to eclipse? Yeah, I think that they could probably hit similar levels. Like they're not Messi Ronaldo, but it's it's. I think it becomes that conversation where you can make you you might start being able to make arguments for either player, as in like because I think that they they play very differently. But if you were to just slap a label like this is an eight out of ten player and this is an eight out of ten player, I think they have the ability to reach the same number. If that makes sense. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck Mbappe and Haaland being the new Messi Ronaldo. It'll be Robertson <laughs> v Tierney. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Andy? Um, yeah, I kind of think similar along the lines of Brad. I was, I was actually, as I was thinking about it, I was like, it's so easy, I think, to just sort of say that they are similar players. And actually, I don't think they, they're not similar. Like, I think they play in, they, it sounds like they play in, 
they're both relatively Scottish left backs, which is yeah, they're both where Scottish the, left backs. Where it so, ends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like in terms of who is the better player, I think that Robertson is. I, I I would argue that Robertson's the best left back in the world and has been for the last few years. I don't think you can judge it on current form because uh, I think he has been been really poor this season. Um, but and and everything I've seen of Tierney, I've been like, and again, I think we use this word so much, but he's a Rolls Royce. He's a real, yeah. uh, he's a real Rolls Royce. Um, and not a Fiat yeah, Punto. I think he, not a Fiat Punto. Okay. He is a good old chrome Rolls Royce. Chrome black Rolls Royce. Um, yeah. And I think that, again, it's sort of one of those debates where it's like, if they can play in the same team, great. In terms of who the better player is, I think it is Robertson. I don't think that's a doubt. I think that's just, he's just got age on his side as well. I think he's like a few years older. Um, and he's just more experienced. But, from all the stuff I've I've seen of Tierney as well, they sound like they're both vocal. They're both um, both leaders. I personally wouldn't have a problem with Robertson was the captain of Liverpool. I think they're kind of similar kind of personalities. Um, it reminds me a lot of a of a comparison that people do with um, Trent Alexander Arnold and Reese James, and it's just it, I I don't know. It's kind of one of those things where I think that that's probably more of a similar. They're more of a similar style of player. Um, but the with Tierney and Robertson, the when we said just before we started, if Tierney can play as a left centre-back for Scotland, then there's no reason why... I mean, would you accept Tierney as a sort of a centre-back, part of a centre-back partnership? Ever? If it no, I don't, it. He's, I don't think in, he's got the height for me personally. I think it just depends. How tall is he? I thought he was quite, he's I thought he's quite tall. He's 5'10". Oh, right, I think it okay. just depends on like situational as in I wouldn't be shitting myself for example if we had to play him at left centre back to well actually because of the squad and we don't actually have a second left back I probably would but if we had left back cover it, if if it had to be done I think his natural position is at left back but it wouldn't be the end of the world if he had to start a few games at left centre back over the course of a season I just like you say though I think it's really difficult to compare two players who play in vastly different systems it almost yeah. seems futile because they're going to be doing different things. Yeah, no, for sure. I think who, who, who do you think is the better defender? For me, so I think it, the, the thing with fullbacks is that it always ends up yeah. being conversation about who provides more. I think, but actually, yeah. who do you think is better? As as the role changes, the the kind of emphasis changes. I think it, it's 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 tiny either way. Like I think Robertson's probably a slightly better attacker. I think Tini's probably a slightly better defender. But it just doesn't. I don't know. It. it but overall, Robertson's won more. He's more experienced. He offers more. I think he can. He kind of plays that sort of fifth attacker role well, and Tini does as well. But ultimately, he's in a team, and look what he's won. And you know, you you can't really argue with that. So yeah, for me, Robertson is comfortably like ahead of him. And like you say about Trent and Reese James, I, I even I think that's an unfair comparison because I think Reese James is okay going forward and okay going backwards. Whereas Trent, at his best in a system that suits him, is one of the best creative passers in the league. He's absolutely elite going forward. And if you look at his statistics, he's actually not bad defensively. So it, it, He's actually yeah. gotten better. The season, for some reason, has sort of brought out a better defender in him, yeah. bizarrely. So I just think it, things. it does just depend on what... Met, like, cause, and this is what I mean by it's so specific to teams, because you go, okay, well, we'll have Trent, and we know that we might have to kind of cope with his defensive output a little bit, but what you get going forward is so great. Whereas I think with Robertson, I think he's way, he's not as good as Trent going forward, 
but he is so good going backwards as well. He is a complete fullback. He's, com- he's complete. Mm. Just the just um, just before we go on, I kind of want to just draw it back to Arsenal because it was something that I read this week, and I think it was from your Twitter account. The Ainsley Maitland Niles thing. It seems like such a bizarre uh, situation for the club to get in when, like, when we're talking about fullbacks. And I remember like the game at the Emirates last season, and actually towards the end when they were uh, heading into the FA Cup and the FA Cup final and the win. He seemed like he was sort of thriving under fullback position. And I wonder how, what is your, what are your stances on that? Would you accept him back as a kind of a right back option, if not first choice? Because I feel like he is more than capable. For, for me, personally, it's pretty cut and dry. Maitland-Niles is not going to be and isn't good enough as a central midfielder to play an Arsenal standard the way we want to go. So he has a choice. He can either play right back for us or leave. And he doesn't want to play right back. So, and do like, I think that's a really, from my perspective as a fan, I think just take minutes wherever you're given them. You'll be in a better team. Mm. He, if he's happy to, I think he can go and play centre midfield at a bottom level Premier League, top level championship club. But I think he could be an elite level fullback, but he said he doesn't want to play there. And that's, that's his choice, but I wonder who's around him giving him that information. Mm, and from, Arsenal, from Arsenal's perspectives in the club, I think their hands are tied. They've given him, they've given him, you know, a position at right back, and they've said, "Hey, take it." He doesn't want it, and he says, "I want to go and play central midfield." They give him that option at West Brom. He's done okay. He's been fine. What what can they do? And they'll they'll sell I him. Think for we've a moved profit. on as well. I think it's now gone to a like. When we were in a um, <clears throat> in this like three back slash five back, there was a place for him at right back. In a four back, I don't know, and I think that he would have. And I, I think this season um, was so important for him to bed in that slot, whether it be in that five back or in that four back. That now that opportunity's gone, we don't because we need to see an improvement at right back. We can't now bring a guy back in who has never really played that position, hasn't bedded into that position before. So I think his opportunity was this season or bust and he chose bust and the time has passed. Arsenal now need to go out and, you know, because we've got Callum Chambers who has played right back. Absolute worldie the other day at West Ham. Yeah, yeah, had an absolute worldie. So I, I do just think that he has fucked himself and his own career by not staying and taking the opportunity this season. Cause I, I just think the opportunity has gone. There's already talk of Bellerin being sold in the summer and that we're looking to bring in a right back. And I think that, in, and he's now been linked to Wolves to go and play it as a, as more of like a right wing back esque yeah. role. And I think that and, will end up happening. And I think if mm. Maitland Niles had stayed, he's the sort of player who you, you you can weirdly build a system around because he's such a specialist player in that he can play left, he can play right, and he does that brilliant thing of tucking into the midfield to become that third man in midfield, which is so useful. So few players have the technical security to do that. And he's a brilliant one-on-one defender. So I think he could do really well somewhere, but he just doesn't want to do it. So that's that's his choice, mm. and that's, that's a shame. Yeah. Uh, okay, boys. Talking time's over. Oof. It's time to predict some shit. Um, okay, Andy, I'll start with you. Uh, give me your predicted lineup for Liverpool versus Arsenal at 8pm at the Emirates tomorrow night. So for me, barring any kind of other, you know, 
natural disasters. You know, that's the last thing really that would stop like a pandemic or something. Yeah, something else. I mean, um, for me, it will be pretty, pretty standard of what it's been the last few games um, before the international break. Allison, Trent, uh, Big Nat Phillips, uh, Ozan Kabak. Uh, yeah, just qu- just quickly, is Kabak decent? So it's one of the. He's twenty one, if not, I think he's maybe twenty, twenty one or twenty. Brad's fact checking yeah. you. As good as a tw- <laughs> twenty one. As good as a tw- twenty one. As good as a 20, 21 year old centre back is, he's is actually really interesting to watch it because he's um like I really like Nat Phillips. I don't think he was going to stay, but I really like him, and I I kind of wish he would. But in my head, I kind of imagine him in three or four years' time doing a similar thing to what Johnny Evans has done. In that, I think he will. He has the the physical prowess. He heads everything to be at a good team i think he could be a good center back i just don't know if he will play in the system i think kabak is more likely to stay longer because i think he can play in the system more which is bizarre considering that nat phillips is taller he's more dominant it's just that kabak is quicker slightly better on the ball he's he's it's interesting to watch him because he's he's progressed you can see he's talented because he's progressed so much in three games. Mm. The first few games, he he was not... He was fine, actually, against Leicester, apart from the weird... Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it, the weird kind of yeah, collision yeah, yeah. he had with Alisson. He was actually fine. But the the you you can tell he's talented because he's improved so much. In terms of if he's good or good enough yet, you know, it's like, well, it's sort of needs need must. Time will tell. Yeah, especially for like an, a, a non-native English speaker as well. I think that's yeah. that's a testament to how talented someone is. Is when they don't even speak. Well, the I language. imagine I imagine he's speaking within... German with Klopp. That's why I imagine it's happening. As in, I'm not to cut you off Fair completely, enough. but I just I'm just hesitant. <laughs> no, 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 he no, may no, speak English, I don't know, but, but I, like... I imagine he's because he played at Schalke, so I imagine he's playing. Yeah, yeah. So he probably, but as in, like with Ex- the team yes, around them as well, you can almost make an argument that. With that collision with Allison, Allison speaks Portuguese and probably English now, and then he speaks. Ge- so to to see that progression and exactly and be exactly one of the massive like you need your four defenders in in sync because obviously you need to play offside traps, all of these kind of things. Something that Virgil is fantastic at doing is marshalling that back four, but having somebody who seems to fit in so well after three games when he can only really communicate with the coach because I don't know if you have any other German speakers in your team. But even then, I think, but maybe Firmino because you bought. Well, I think, I think again, um, and I keep calling him Big Nat just because that's my nickname for him. Um, Big Nat, Big Nat Phillips. I he was on loan at Stuttgart, so I'm not going to. I I don't know what to presume, but I would imagine that he could speak. He he would know the basics. He'll 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 spracken a bit of Deutsch. The reason (laughs) the reason I ask is actually because I think uh, Brad and I did a little squad building episode uh, last time out, which I'm sure you've listened to. Um, and uh, we were just talking about the kind of this the centre back merry go round, and there will be a lot of movement. I think Canate, you know, coming in potentially. Who do, who did Leipzig replace him with? Mm. Alaba, Boateng, Varane, Ramos. There's a lot of movement, and I'm not saying we're going to get Varane or Ramos, but those people moving. What happens? And you know, do do United go out for, get centre back? Where does Lindelof and Bailly stand? So I think it's you know it's interesting. Sorry, I cut you off on the on the lineup. Continue. Um. So. I'll just run through it. Allison, Trent, Kabak, Phillips, Robertson, Wijnaldum, Thiago, 
Fabinho, Salah, Jota, Mane. But I could see Firmino coming in and him being a bit unpredictable with the front three. But I would imagine, due to Jota's form, I'd imagine he'll play. Okay. Bradders? Um, Lineup-wise, I think it, it massively depends on like Xhaka being assessed and Saka being assessed. But uh, Leno is... We're not going to play Matt Ryan, so Leno. Um, I think we should see Chambers at right-back, especially after the stormer he had at West Ham. Uh, Rob Holding, right centre-back. Gabriel, left centre-back. I wouldn't be surprised if Pablo Mari started and we went for a less aggressive, more just sit-back, defensively-minded centre-back in Pablo Mari. Uh, Tierney left-back. Um, Party and probably El Nenny in the centre. If Xhaka's out, if Xhaka's in, it will be Xhaka. Uh, then I think if Saka is fit, it will be Saka on the right, Erdegaard in the middle. And if Smith Rowe is fit, it will be Smith Rowe on the left. It, it, there's a couple of if they're fit, they'll start. If they're not, they won't. So I could easily see William on that left hand side. Mm. Um, I would start Lacazette because I just think that Liverpool's press and their defensive acumen, we're just not going to have any space. He does and well against ha- Liverpool too. Yeah, he scored he does, three and lost three. Yeah. He's got a good scoring record against them and I think just can help build up, help that structure a little bit more than, say, Aubameyang can. But maybe if, uh, maybe we'll see kind of Aubameyang on that left, Lacazette in the middle and Saka on the right with Erdegaard in the hole behind. I think that'd be decent. I think there's just a lot of if, buts and I don't do if, buts and maybes. I do absolutes. (laughs) (laughs) I think it, it is, it is a couple of like, we'll wait and see as to who's fit, but. That would be my lineup, if okay. people are fit. Andy, what's your prediction? Well, I'm glad you asked me that, Alex. Um, my prediction will be two <laughs> all. I don't necessarily know if Arsenal can score two, but I think that Liverpool definitely can concede two. <laughs> uh, and so uh, I'm going to go two all. Um, in terms of scorers, I would. I don't. I, I don't think you can ever. I don't know with scorers, but I think with Lacazette, he's got good form, and I think Jota's is in good form. So I would probably say, and Salah, you can never write him out. So I'm going to go Salah, Jota, Lacazette, and uh, throw Tierney into the mix. Why not? We've been oh, talking God. about him all week. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Go on, brothers. Uh, I reckon one all. I think it will be a Salah absolute banger, an absolute banger. And then a random Lacazette scuffed air shot that finds its way into the goal is <laughs> is the most likely of situations. Um, yeah, that's probably my prediction. What about you, Alex, mate? I'm going Arsenal 4, Liverpool 1. Because if I'm right, <laughs> I look like a genius. And if I'm wrong, it doesn't matter. It literally doesn't matter. Um, so there you go. <laughs> Nice. Nice little stat to just finish us off. James Milner could make his 159th Premier League appearance as a substitute, which would be a new outright record. He's currently level with Peter Crouch. Isn't that nice? Uh, Listen, Andy, it's been a pleasure. If you can hear us, we've been having some connection issues. It's been so nice if you can hear me. No idea what you just said. Uh, We'll find out. We'll find out in editing. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, listen, Andy, I'm sure you're there. It's been a pleasure. Uh, Brad, thanks so much. Thanks, guys. And we will see you after the game. <laughs> Goodbye. It's been so nice, boys. See you in a bit. Bye, bye, bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. Find us on Twitter at DiffKnock and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network.